So as I'm sitting there, of course, instead of judging my meditations, I would have this really, you know, I like to play with everything. And I'd have this sense of like celebration, like, oh my gosh, I'm having a thought. That means I'm releasing stress. Okay, great. Come back to the mantra. And I'd have this um, excitement in me that said, I'm releasing stress in my body in a way that I'm not doing any other way, not through the physical asanas on the mat, not through the Ayurvedic nutrition, not through um, getting enough sleep at night or, you know, having wonderful relationships. There's stress that's being released right now in meditation that I've never had before. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the One Mind Meditation Podcast, where we interview teachers, scientists, authors, and passionate meditation practitioners. My name is Morgan Dix, and I'm delighted today to introduce my guest, meditation teacher, Julie Hunt. So Julie is a Chopra Center certified meditation instructor. She's passionately devoted to helping people live healthier and happier stress-free lives using the tools of meditation yoga and Ayurveda. So I had a great time chatting with Julie and in this interview she shares her story of how she started, how she got started with meditation and how she quickly got hooked and then started working more directly with Deepak Chopra. She's got a great story, and I think you're going to love her positive outlook and her message. And before we start, a quick word from our sponsor, Health IQ. So the One Mind Meditation Podcast is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. You can go to healthiq.com forward slash one mind to support our show and see if you qualify. So for example, did you know that physically active people have a 34% lower risk of all-cause mortality? They have a 56% lower risk of heart disease and they have a 22% decrease in cancer mortality compared to people who basically remain inactive. So those are significant numbers. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com forward slash one mind. That's healthiq.com forward slash one mind. Or mention the promo code one mind when you talk to a Health IQ agent. So now on to our interview with Julie Hunt. Julie, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here. I'm so glad you reached out over LinkedIn and we connected and uh, welcome. Oh, Morgan, thank you. It's so wonderful to be here. It's an absolute pleasure. Fantastic. So everyone, Julie and I are just getting to know each other. Julie reached out to me this week over LinkedIn. She connected with aboutmeditation.com co-founder Tom Bershad this week because she spends half the year in San Diego and half the year in Philadelphia. And, and that's where Tom is based. So we had the fortune of connecting. And then when I learned a little bit more about Julie's work, I just thought, oh, we, we got to get you on the show. So I'm really excited about this opportunity. Me too. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, it's quite the celebration coming from San Diego into Philadelphia with the 
Eagles Super Bowl win. So oh my god! What a game! I, I, I watched it. I was just, yeah. The river. What would you say? The streets are running green. Oh, the, the street. It's just Philadelphia is beautiful and gorgeous. I mean, these people yeah. uh, really like it's such a celebration for them, and it's really fun to see like the masses of two million people at the parade. Um, really show up with joy. It's quite. Um, it's quite special to be here right now. So yeah, so I'm thrilled to be getting to know you and to have met with Tom and. Yeah. To hold both sides of the coast from San Diego to Philadelphia. So I'm sitting here in Philadelphia right now as the city is recuperating from the Super Bowl parade. Awesome. Well, that that's so cool. Well, I think I'd love to start with just, as we do on the show, hearing a little bit more and asking you about your personal story and just starting out, like, how did you come to meditation? What what were the antecedents? Just set up the scene for us. What were the forces in your life that conspired and channeled you into the path where you're, you're now a, a teacher, an instructor, a, a coach? Kate, would you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah, well, my story is really funny because I'm from California originally. So I'm a native L.A. Californian, two generations, which is uh, very rare these days. And I mm. wanted to look good in a bathing suit. <laughs> So I landed in a yoga class <laughs> that happened huh. about 20 years ago. So it's really funny. I, I took about a five year yoga journey to say, Hey, this is a physical fitness routine for me. And of course those physical postures really spoke to me. And so I kind of went down this yoga path. And then of course I started noticing as yoga does, I started noticing those qualities of the meditation and um, of the spirituality and of the teachings. And so that started to infuse my life without me really knowing about it. Mm-hmm. And so then start to fast forward and I started to study Ayurveda. And so meditation was actually the very last piece of kind of that Vedic trifecta, if you will, of yoga, Ayurveda, and meditation. And I yeah. think that through all those years, everyone said, Julie, because I'm so deep in the yoga world, come to a meditation. Oh, God, no. It's impossible. I'm I'm the post, and I think that's why this work is so important to me because I'm the poster child for can't do it, can't sit still, can't stop the thoughts. No, no, thanks so much for the invitation, but I'm going to go, you know, to a a yoga class. So, um, kind of a miraculous journey to be here. And then I went to work for Deepak Chopra. I was uh, my industry is the e-learning industry, so I was using all of this holistic health knowledge and translating it into online programs. And when our team was charged with taking the primordial sound meditation, which is Deepak's flagship meditation teachings and translating it online, um, it was really important to him and to me to have the teachings be translated with the utmost integrity from their original teachings. So I asked uh, one of the founding members of the Chopra Center, his dear friend, Roger Gabriel to mentor me so I could understand the teachings. And I went through the process of becoming a meditation teacher, more so just for this project, which is to make sure that it was presented as he intended for, you know, generations and generations of people to learn primordial sound meditation, which is a, for people who don't know, it is a mantra based silent meditation, a transcendent style. So, um, and then I went through the teacher so training. It, quick question is that so yeah. that's in the style of Maharishi, which is was also Deepak's kind of original or one of his original influences. Is that 
where this meditation comes from, or at least is fundamentally inspired by it? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it comes Got from it. the same tradition. Yeah. Got it. Okay. And there's a, there's a few intricacies that are different, but really they're both kind of sisters, if you will. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I went through uh, the Chopra Center uh, certification training to become a meditation teacher to learn all of this knowledge and to bring it into the online learning course. And I stepped away from the teacher training and never wanted to do anything else but teach meditation. I mean, really, it shocked me. So now as new teachers come into the Chopra Center, I'll, I'll speak with them and you know, ask them why they want to be teachers. And a lot of them are you know, there for the content and the information. And I warn them and say, be careful. You just might be <laughs> the teacher that you never knew when you step out of here. So that's my journey. It's really um, it's kind of unexpected, if you will. Yeah. So you came into the Chopra Center organization and you came in through the yoga channel, as it were, and then, and or the, you came in through the e-learning channel, but you, you were obviously kind of already compelled by that whole world through the yoga influence. So yeah, you said part of your motivation for learning meditation was so that you could appropriately translate it into the e-learning context, which makes a lot of sense to me. Was there anything else for you personally involved in wanting to learn meditation or when you stepped away from it, wanting to actually transition into becoming a teacher and and doing that more actively, was there? What was the impact on you personally of besides just being inspired of learning this practice? Yeah, great question. So, I learned this style of meditation in a program that's called Seduction of Spirit at the Chopra Center. So, I went through as an attendee. It's a six day uh, advanced meditation retreat. Typically, people should have a basis of a meditation practice. And I think because of so many years of yoga, that meditation has been established in my genes, if you will, in my cells. They know it. But I I never sat with a silent practice. I'd done some chanting and, and some things like that. But I really, I didn't have a meditation practice that I could call my own. So I was learning this style of meditation. And it was a six-day retreat, and there's about, uh, I'd say about two and a half to three hours of meditation a day, which is a lot for someone that's fairly new to sitting still in meditation. And yeah. I was going through an interesting time of my life. I moved to California from Philadelphia, so my world in Philadelphia, I was still trying to manage it, and I wasn't managing it very well from afar. Things were kind of falling apart, and there were some holes, and there was some very big financial stresses that I felt like I, I had no control over, and I was trying to get the support I needed from people there and hire people, but I, I wasn't holding it together very well. And Got it. I knew the universe wasn't going to let me fail. Like I knew that this wasn't going to send me to, um, you know, financial nothingness or, you know, um, so I knew this in my soul, but it was very, very, very stressful. So as I'm going through this retreat, I'm going through, these things. And I'm, you know, every day trying to take actions to make sure I'm just doing whatever I can to hold that together. And what I noticed every single day, I had the faith that I won't be financially destitute. I am going to land on my feet, but every day I could, that I left meditation, I could feel 
if I ranked on a scale of one to 10, the anxiety and stress melting, like every day I could feel my shoulders physically dropping. Like it was, it was really profound. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's like every day, like meditation saying like, I've got this for you and taking a piece of it and taking it off. And so I always had that faith as I typically do, like, it's going to be fine. But I, before I started meditating, even in six or seven days, I didn't know how to manage the heaviness or the pressure of it. I just had to walk in faith and somehow meditation. And I think I'm just such a huge level. I mean, like every day, two points of that weight would just be lifted off me. So Mm. as I went through that, I feel so lucky. Now looking back, I think we have this, you know, gratitude for all these things that happen in our life. If I hadn't been going through that, I don't think I would have seen the immediate profound impact that meditation makes on my life. And I'm, I think the other reason that this work is so important to me is that it has impacted my life so greatly and so obviously. <laughs> I'm like one of those so, people. So greatly life. and so what? Obviously. <laughs> like obviously. The, the benefits it. in my life, you know, they're very subtle. A lot of, a lot of the benefits of meditation tend to be very subtle, which I think may be part of the reason some people start, but don't necessarily stick with it or, you know, anything you yeah. start. And, but in my life, it's like, oh, <laughs> here are the benefits. We can talk about those all day long because it's changed my life like this, and like this, and like yeah. this. So I think the, um, well, of course, the curiosity, and while I always wanted to bring it into my life, I think noticing that I was able to show up in the world in a clearer, more present less stressful, anxious, really anxiety. It just started taking away all that anxiety. That was miraculous. I, I've never, I've never mm. experienced anything like it. Mm. So it was actually a big surprise to you to have that experience. Huge surprise. Shocking, quite frankly. Yeah. Wow. So it sounds like you went in and then through the process of the six day retreat, you had a profound experience of like letting go and releasing this sort of the stress and or anxiety in, in at least partially related to financial insecurity. And obviously for all of us that that can create tremendous stress. And, but it sounds like you, you kind of went through to the other side of that on some level and found some other ground in yourself that was giving you confidence. Is, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's that uncertainty. I think it's it, going through so much uncertainty of not knowing where the pieces of life are going to fall, whether it's, you know, now looking in relationship or work projects or, you know, health and, you know, family travel, wherever anything's coming from that uncertainty yeah. that I face every single day meditation, of course, you know, in the space of meditation, anything is possible. And so I think that's how the meditation translates directly that into my real life to say, in this uncertainty, you're secure. In this Mm. uncertainty, everything is possible. And so we talked about integration, you know, and the importance of integration and meditation. Mm. And I think that's exactly what happens is sitting in meditation. I got to see that it really wasn't that those three hours, maybe over those six days of meditation. But when I went back into my life and I started moving of this uncertainty, 
I knew that everything was going to be okay. And it sort of allowed me to see the stability and security and the infinite possibilities in the uncertainty. And so I think that's my constant phrase is when everything is uncertain, anything is possible. And that's Mm. easy to intellectualize, but meditation makes it like real deep down. And I think that's where that anxiety and that stress was able to kind of release and I was able to let that go. But but the cool part about it is I didn't really know letting it go. (laughs) It's just leaving. So yeah. Well, yeah. I like that you use the word as you started to describe your experience on the retreat, like that the stress and tension just started to melt. And like, that's so often my experience when I'm meditating, you know, and I'll meditate usually, you know, within 15 minutes of waking up, I start with a cup of tea and then I get on the cushions. One of the first things in my morning ritual, I'll read a little bit, something from the Dharma and then I'll sit and I've barely been awake and out of bed for 20 minutes, but just starting that practice immediately tension just starts to melt out of me and and flow out of me. And I'm always amazed. I'm like, but I just woke up and I was in like a deep slumber. So where's, how is it that I'm already filled with tension that's melting, melting away? And And I just think it's so easy. Like if you don't meditate like on a regular basis, you don't quite realize how quickly your brain spins up into or you, and your mind just starts to circulate those same old ruminations, you know, and, and whatever it is for any of us. But, you know, they, it's like the moment you open your eyes, boom, it's like it's all in motion. And, uh, it's back. <laughs> I always, yeah. Wait, what'd you say? It's back. Everything it's back. that happened and all that deep slumber now, all of a sudden, okay, it's, it's here, back. it's back. It's back. I'm back. You know, yeah. me and, and all. And it's like yeah, fight or exactly. flight, right? We're instantly like we wake, and that's the part of humanity, right? We're in fight or flight all the time, which is causing all the stress, which is all of our yeah. suffering. Really, is coming down to that. And then meditation is just releasing that stress, is just t- reversing all the effects of fight or flight. So I think that's such a beautiful point. Is like I love that you look at your life and 20 minutes out of bed after, and you you give this beautiful story of like the team sort of reading in your cushions and then all of a sudden oh, yeah. you know you kind of start talking about like that stress but I think that's the truth right we all have that fight or flight that's starting the second we open our eyes and I don't think we really realize it and that um, and that's it we don't realize that's what you said earlier you didn't realize that that all that stress was there there you were just letting and and that's how I feel too I didn't you don't realize until you start to practice and then it just starts to melt, like you said. Mm-hmm. I just wrote an article and, and kind of gave some of the basics to say, okay, you know, starting with meditation and just let go of everything that came before. Because um, you can come back to it later. Um, but side note, just no spoiler alert, the problem may not be there when you leave meditation. So yeah. <laughs> it's kind of fun. It is, it's, you know, uh, everything that started out is that stress too. You know, sometimes it's still there, um, but sometimes it just melts and goes away, and you don't have yeah. to pick it back up in the same form that it started. Yeah. All right. So that's that's great. I love that idea that problem might not be there when you get up. That's good. Um, 
All right, so a couple things. Like, I'd like to hear a little bit more about you got this training, you stepped away, and you, you suddenly were like, okay, this is what I want to do. Can you just take us on a, a brief arc from there to here? How has your, how's your engagement, would you say, with your practice and as an instructor evolved since you left that teacher training whenever it was and mm. what are you doing now like you know what what is what does it look like you know what what are you how is your teaching manifesting like that's that's my first question then i'd love after that to explore a little bit more about the practice of primordial meditation itself and also some of your experience with deepak chopra so would you mind taking us on that journey a little bit. Did you know that research has shown that meditating daily can lower blood pressure, decrease cortisol levels, and reduce the risk of death from heart disease? The One Mind Meditation Podcast is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. And you can go to healthiq.com forward slash one mind to support the show and see if you qualify. But here's the cool thing. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health conscious people, including runners, cyclists, strength trainers, vegans, and more. So probably you, I'm guessing. So check it out to see if you qualify. Get your free quote today at healthiq.com forward slash one mind or mention the promo code one mind when you talk to a health IQ agent. Also, I will link up the health IQ hot link in our show notes for this episode. So check it out. Now back to our show. Can you just take us on a, a brief arc from there to here? How has your How's your engagement, would you say, with your practice and as an instructor evolved since you left that teacher training, whenever it was? And mm. what are you doing now? Like, you know, what, what is, what does it look like? You know, what, what are you, how is your teaching manifesting? Like, that's, that's my first question. Then I'd love after that to explore a little bit more about the practice of primordial meditation itself and also some of your experience with Deepak Chopra. So would you mind just taking us on that journey a little bit? Yeah. So there's a little bit of a gap between um, that retreat, which was really the first time I really learned to meditate and then um, moving deeper into sort of becoming a certified meditation instructor. Can yeah. I fill in that little gap there? Yeah. So, Great. Um, so I think that what happened in those six days was this profound you know, realization that stress was being released, right? That that anxiety was letting go and, and this uncertainty mm. where the stress was very high. But there was something that happened that made me stick with it and kind of still a poster child of, you know, I couldn't meditate. It, it's not possible for me. And at some point over that retreat, I, I grabbed onto that and said, okay, this thought that I'm having in meditation is a sign that stress is being released. So, Every day. Now, I had the benefit of really kind of having to meditate for my job, right? So that's very cool. Like, I'm going to do a better 
job and my physical job in the world if I learn how to meditate and I go through the challenges that a new meditator, it was such a privilege to be a new meditator in translating this work. Like I'm so privileged for that because I know, I knew everything that the learner and the participant was going to experience going through this course. Yeah. So that is just a very cool gift that, you know, I was given. Maybe that's why it took me so long to, to come to meditation. Um, but I, I really grabbed onto that. So as I'm sitting there, of course, instead of judging my meditations, I would have this really, you know, I like to play with everything and I'd have this sense of like celebration, like, Oh my gosh, I'm having a thought. That means I'm releasing stress. Okay, great. Come back to the mantra. And I'd have this um, excitement in me that said, I'm releasing stress in my body in a way that I'm not doing any other way, not through the physical awesomeness on the mat, not through the Ayurvedic nutrition, not through um, getting enough sleep at night or, you know, having wonderful relationships. There's stress that's being released right now in meditation that I've never had before. And that's really what got me to continue a personal practice is for me to say, I'm okay. Like I'm, I'm the thought doesn't have to leave. It's a sign of stress. And then just gently kind of come back to the mantra, which will kind of, as you mentioned, kind of asking more about the primordial sound meditation, mm. which I can do in the end. Those next couple of months were very profound for me in establishing a meditation practice that became really kind and compassionate and nice to me that I didn't feel like I was fighting um, time spent in silence anymore. It became yeah. um, a celebration. And I think now that leads me kind of to your question of how has my, you know, how's my practice involved and how, how I kind of, you know, move through that. My meditation now is the most amazing gift of self-compassion and self-care that I've ever experienced, like ever on the planet. Mm. I, mm -hmm. I think I'm very, I'm very, I'm hard on myself. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really hard on myself. And um, when I do things right, I can sort of underplay, downplay, you know, whatever. And when I do things wrong, it's, oh God, it's my fault. It's, this, it's that, well, at least I learned this. And it's really, and the things that are going on in my mind, I think many of us experience, we're just harder on ourselves than we would be on anybody else. And somehow in meditation, I gave myself full permission. There's no judgment. There is no time to be mean or mad or hard on yourself. It's simply a time to think a thought, celebrate that I'm releasing stress, and then come back to the source of the meditation. And so now it's become this incredible space of self-compassion. The the only time in my life that I spend, you know, twice a day in meditation, I, I'm so loving to myself and I've seen this self-compassion and, I, you know, it's the only way I know to um, a lot of self-care and self-compassion conversations are going on, um, you know, around a lot of the people that I'm working with and um, students and my friends. And that's really how it's just mm -hmm. become this huge gift for me. So, I think in the evolution of my practice, it started maybe as a stress release. And now yeah. it's this like space of like, oh yeah, I'm, I really do love me. And then that translates out into the world of this profound love for others that, yeah. that I've never experienced before. So that's a long, I, <laughs> long Yeah, no, no, it's great. I, I'd love to you know, for the for my own benefit and, and everyone's benefit, just put it under the microscope a little and, and ask a little bit more about, like, you mentioned how 
there was this key insight from which a lot of what you just described seemed to kind of flow out of, which was that the way you started by quoting Deepak, that when thoughts arise, it's it's stress being released. And that that seems like a very, um, I don't know if clever is the quite, quite the right word, but a maybe ingenious way to kind of frame and contextualize and help change one's relationship to thought, which of course meditation is all about that. And in my experience with aboutmeditation.com, probably one of the big questions, stroke issues, problems that come up for people are around what basically the core of what you're talking about, just self-judgment and maybe not framed that way, often framed around like, am I doing this right? I'm doing it wrong. You know, what, you know, this, I can't, I'm not doing it, you know? And so just feeling bad about that, but I think that ends up being a mask or, or a, a layer on top of a whole world of, of just a fundamental relationship to one's mind, which was, as you described it, it's just very close and personal and critical. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like you had this insight around that sort of let you, based on what Deepak said, that helped you just release that whole world of judgment. And and I've never heard anyone talk about it that way. And it's a really interesting way to describe that cultivation of the space which meditation is of non-judgmental awareness and when you then talked about the self-love that arises out of that it seems like so what I hear when you're saying that through my own lens of, of experiences that once you started to nurture and cultivate this new relationship to the presence of thought that something else started to well up from within uh, a different energy, a non-judgmental energy. And you were talking about it as self-love in my own experience. I might, and I'm not sure it's the same thing, but it sounds similar, but I would say it. there's just an arising of almost a, I think of it in terms of expansion and yeah. release. I, I just feel there's often a, a kind of energy that rises and there's just this sense of expansion and, and that's often, I mean, it feels beautiful, wonderful and it seems really to be without limit in a lot of ways. But I'd love to hear like a little more about when you talk about self-love and self-compassion in that space of meditation. Can you be even more specific for us and, and just say a little bit more about that? What do you mean? Is it is it similar to what I'm describing or exactly. Yeah. I love the word expansion. I hadn't really thought of it in terms of expansion. Um, yeah. I love that because I think in my life, 
especially, you know, being on a, a spiritual journey. And, and again, at first, you know, the meditation is more of like, you know, many people start for the form of stress release. You know, I want yeah. to get rid of the stress. I want to think more clearly. I want to sleep better. And then it progresses down this, you know, journey into, you know, who am I? You know, how am I interconnected? You know, am I separate? And I think the thoughts are so constricting and so confining in our lives that mm. that's exactly what's happening is the time for meditation is exactly the expansion. And I think for me, if I hadn't had that, that moment of aha to say, oh, this thought, which is constricting, right? It's limiting who I am. Yeah. This thought is stress. It's stress leaving my body. It's a channel of clearing. It's, it's, a, it's never going to be there again. It can't have another piece of stress accumulate on top of it. It left. It released with that thought. So now that I see this, okay, great. Now I can sit here for 30 minutes <laughs> and I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And I know I'm doing it right. And so I think then the self-compassion came to say, oh my gosh, Julie, you were thinking 20 minutes during that meditation. Are you serious? Like, why are you doing this? What is going on? Like, that's not effective. But the compassion came in when I saw that if that, if that thought was truly stress release, which I believe it is, and which I know it is, mm. um, and I believed at the time without really knowing why, if it is, then I can sit here and I don't have to have, as you said, that self-judgment. Mm. Um, it gave me like the patience, I guess, to sit there, but it gave me permission of self-compassion, permission of expansion mm. to say, you're, you're good here. You're doing something really good and you don't quite understand what it is yet. But it's good. And then, of course, it's the practice, you know, continues. Yes. And then, like you said, that that arising expansion, right? And so, yes. yeah, so I think we're kind of saying exactly the same thing. But that's, mm-hmm. yeah, I had to, I just, it was very cool. You know, I, I if I could give one piece of advice to anybody in meditation about their thoughts, it's really celebrate them. Get really excited that you took enough care for yourself and you loved yourself enough to sit in meditation. So you sat down and you took the time and you said, I'm going to spend this much time meditating. And really, whatever time you set for yourself, you stick to that time. And I would recommend people not, you know, get up from meditation before the time they set. So you really get on this loving self-care thing. Okay, great. You sat down and now you're perfect in meditation. That thought really stress. And that's the thing that I want them to understand. That thought is stress released. It's to be celebrated. You did something really incredibly self-caring for yourself. And so as a result of that, the self-compassion that I talk about, um, I was allowed to say, oh, you're not wrong. You're not bad. It's not impossible. Um, you, you know, I was receiving 100% of the benefits of meditation. So for someone who has thoughts of meditation, I, I guess I really want them to know those thoughts are stress release and you're receiving a hundred percent of the benefits. And then mm. the practice from there gets to just expand and grow and flourish and, you know, crazy beautiful ways that you, um, you talk about and you share on about meditation.com. So. That's awesome. All right. So tell us a little bit then about what is the practice that you're doing, the primordial sound meditation, number one. And then number two, I think you were just starting to disclose some of the maybe key 
insights and instruction you share with your own clients, but I'd love also then to hear how you share this with people. What what does your work look like? You know, who are you teaching? Yeah. So the origins of primordial cell meditation we talked about come from the Vedic tradition, and Deepak revitalized this. Um, it's it's a transcendent style of meditation, so it's done in silence, and the you know it's basically a turning of all the senses inward. So ideally, the eyes are closed, the body's really really comfortable sitting up rather than lying down. And, you know, if anyone asks me questions about primordial sound meditation or am I doing it right, am I doing it wrong, I try to teach them to answer their own questions and say, you know, you're, you're, are you turning the senses inward? I'll say, well, do you want to listen to music? Well, you can do that, but the music is going to take your senses outward. So mm. the silence is going to bring you inward. So it's a silent mantra-based, uh, meditation and the mantra part of primordial sound meditation um, is really, really beautiful because the primordial sound mantra is a unique mantra that's based in Jyotish astrology. It's the lunar astrology and it's based on the vibration that the universe was making at the time you were born. So um, the, the students that I teach primordial sound meditation, they give me their date time of birth, location of birth, and then we use a calculation to calculate the sounds that the universe is making at that very moment in time that they came from sort of the unmanifest or the womb out into this physical manifest space. So that sound and that mantra has no meaning. So rather than staying at the level of thought again, which is um, kind of keeping you, holding you at some like mental level, this mantra has no meaning and it's designed to take you back to that, you know, pure consciousness, that perfection, that unmanifest state. So it's a really um, beautiful and personalized practice that's very effective. I personally love mantra practice because I like to have a tool, you know, a vehicle, yeah. which is the mantra is, to keep my focus. You know, I think especially because <laughs> where I came from thinking I'm a non-meditator. Um, the breath is lovely and I, I can do breath meditation now, especially in yoga. I think I meditated for a long time in yoga with the breath, not ever realizing it. But to sit in silence, the mantra, all mantra-based meditations, um, I like them because they give me a vehicle and primordial sound is especially near and dear to my heart because uh, the fact that it has no meaning allows me to access that silence without any attachment to meaning in a more fluid and I think much quicker way than a mantra that's going to keep us at a a thinking level where it has like sort of a meaning, even if it's kind of a, I love the Sanskrit vibrations. Um, Even if it doesn't have an exact English translation, um, you know, many, it has a essence that it's cultivating or, you know, going to enrich your life with. So, so that's the practice of primordial sound meditation, which is um, my favorite to teach. It's my, so, very much my passion. That's awesome. So when you say it has no meaning, that's like in the same way that when I stroke like a C chord on the guitar, as you just said, that's a vibration. It doesn't, it doesn't have any inherent meaning. It's a sound. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can use it in music 
But when you say it has no meaning, you mean that is, is that to say that like there's no inherent cultural, social kind of identity for that sound. It's just a sound. Okay. And as you say the as you say the C chord, which I don't play music, so I don't. I mean, I kind of do know what that sounds like, but I can. When you say that, I can feel the vibration without yeah. my music. I can feel it. You, you use a word that has a definition, mm. has a sound. It so the so the C chord has a meaning that's attached to it, right? So you know, when you play a C chord, you can go exactly to that chord. But the mm-hmm. resonance and the vibration doesn't hold you at any meaning level. And I can feel that. And I, so when I talk about primordial sounds in the same way you would that chord, it's, it's the sound of water. It's the, the wind, the trees, you know, the leaves rustling through um, the trees, um, the birds singing. So it's all of those sounds um, that don't hold us at the level of thought. And I think that's the really wonderful part of primordial sound meditation is using this vibration um, that doesn't have a meaning also allows us to get more in tune our senses while they're turning inward, of course, in meditation. When you go out into the world and you're taking that time in meditation back out into activity where we find all the benefits, you know, coming through, then we can kind of union a little bit if you will with those sounds of nature that are around us all the time and almost be in meditation while we're out in the world and so yeah so to answer your question that's exactly what the primordial sound is it's that vibration that's not connecting you to a specific thought at that uh yeah meaning so another way like when you're saying that that i think of it is it just it bypasses the mind it it com- it completely bypasses like you know obviously it kind of registers but it registers in you independent of your thinking apparatus. Beautiful, yeah, exactly. Can I write that down? It, Can I say that again? <laughs> oh, you that know, down for me. <laughs> well, it yeah, was, exactly. I, I, yeah. I mean, it's like the same way they say like music is a pure language that doesn't. You can attach meaning to it, but. Music in itself just go; it bypasses the mind. It goes straight in, and they say, you know, it's one of it's so it's unmediated. That's Mm. you know that's what I was thinking. The word unmediated. There's no mediation. There's no even whatever it conjures in your mind. It can conjure stuff in your mind, but ultimately, it's a very pure thing that just bypasses the mind and goes through the senses. Yeah, and I think that comes back to exactly what you were talking about, the, that expansion, right? That, mm-hmm. that self-compassion. And it's, it's just that, that unmediated is taking you into that expansiveness, which is yes, who we really are and what we're really meant to live in. Right, right. That's awesome. I definitely, I think bird sounds are probably one of my deepest, like, triggers in meditation when i hear bird songs i just disappear i mean it's just i i feel like those that you get carried out into space on on those mm-hmm. sounds in the most beautiful way i think for all the reasons you just described yeah, and so I think I was, that's when, why i think that's why we're so connected to them yeah. right? and why 
and, and you, of course, in our modern world, we're get, becoming more and more disconnected from nature. And yeah. I think that's also why it's so important to reconnect with nature and reconnect with um, those sounds is because um, we don't have to sit in meditation if we sort of had that experience of sitting in nature and being with it and being in the present moment. Yeah. Really. So, yeah, love that. That's cool. All right. Well, so we're kind of getting towards the end of the interview, but I tell, can you start to share a little bit then like this final part about your work now? Obviously you have your website, a littlemeditation.com, which I love that name. It's a, it's a great name. And I know it's the name of your website and the URL, but is it the name of your business too? It is. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, for awesome. me, a little meditation means everything, you know, a little meditation. Yes changes you, it changes the world, it changes everything. At the same time, a little meditation is better than none. You know, I'm really, I yeah. want people to know that you don't have to spend um, 30 minutes a day, twice a day in meditation if you're not there yet. Two minutes of meditation is immediately changing the physiology and the body. So I really always encourage people to meditate twice a day and doing whatever they can. And if it's two minutes, they're creating a habit and then they're also changing the physiology in their body and receiving the benefits of meditation. So yeah, That's so a little awesome. meditation kind of goes down this great journey of, of life of um, a little meditation is luxurious and fabulous and changes. Yeah. Everything. So yeah. So what is it you're doing through a little meditation? What, what is the work you're doing? So a little meditation. Um, I, again, I specialize in teaching mantra based meditation, but I really come at a little meditation to people who, have said to themselves, I want to meditate. Um, I think I should meditate. It's probably be good for me. I've heard about meditation. I don't really know what it is. Can't and have time. It's too hard. Like that person who has always thought, mm, I'd really like to try that. I'd really like to do it. But usually what comes up is I can't do it right. I can't force out the thoughts. Like, you know, I can't do it for whatever reason. And I think that is the mission of a little meditation is to touch every single person who has ever thought I wanted to meditate, but, and to fill in that, but to fill in the butt, yeah. um, to fill in that butt gap and say, it's really easy and effortless. You know, it's as easy as noticing the thoughts and being kind and kindly coming back to the source of the meditation, whether it's a mantra, whether it's the breath, whether it's the birds, whether it's the sea cord, you know, whatever the source of the meditation is. So I really want people to know it's easy and it's effortless. I want them to know that they don't have to start with 30 minutes twice a day. I, I never would have done it if someone had told me that as a non-meditator. I'm still shocked that you know, people who knew me before I meditated, I think people are still shocked that I can find that time in my day. And I think a lot of us were so busy that it seems impossible to find the time, even two minutes sometimes. Um, you know, but then again, I could go into the benefits of so the benefits of how productive my life is and how much more time I feel like I have and how much more effective I'm getting things done and the clarity and creativity. And, and then the benefits, of course, I want someone to really understand who thinks like, oh, I should probably meditate. I want them to really know what the true benefits of meditation are and how it's really, truly changing their life. The science is reporting the, the changes in our cellular makeup and what's happening in the body. And I have the privilege to 
work with an epigeneticist, Covindra Carr, and, you know, Dr. Carr and I are working together to also show these benefits um, so someone can physically see this change in my gene expression. So the work of a little meditation is really, um, if you've ever wanted to meditate, I know you can do it. It's really easy. We'll just take a couple minutes. It doesn't, I mean, this podcast has taught you everything you need to know about meditation. To put in the time, a little better than nothing, be really easy and effortless. Notice and be kind and your life will transform. And you mentioned you mentioned habits before. How do you help people establish meditation as a habit? Because that, that's definitely a big theme for me personally. We're going to be launching a, a course on how to create a meditation habit later this year. And yeah, so I'm, yeah, I'm I'm super excited about that. I mean, it's a it's like a wonderful time to be talking about it. There are all these studies on brain science. Neuroimaging is like evolved so much we can actually see and and break down the science of habits. Which thankfully researchers have really made great progress on that. But I'm curious to know a little bit more about because you obviously value that too, and you understand how important it is if you're going to start meditating to make it an actual habit, can you just speak to that a little bit? How do you help people build their meditation habit? Yeah. So I do recommend meditating twice a day. I think most people are pretty comfortable with the morning meditation who really want to, you know, who really want to try it. And I will say, start with the smallest time you have available. If it's two minutes, great. If it's five minutes, great. Now, if you want to go over, that's what I hope for, right? And that's where we're going is kind of extending that. But everything in meditation should be easy and effortless. I really believe that. There shouldn't be forcing because it's the opposite of where we're going with meditation. So coming with the two minutes of thinking, I get to enjoy the luxuriousness of self-care right now for this period of time. And so Setting up a morning meditation is usually easier for most people, and I will just ask them to set whatever time that they can and stick with it. And if you can over time, ideally we're growing to you know 30 minutes. I don't think there's a, a reason to do more than 30 minutes um, in one sitting. Um, I'd much rather have someone kind of bookend their day, and then you know if they want to do longer in the morning, even carve in time in the afternoon. So usually people are really good about the morning meditation. It's the afternoon that tends to be a little more difficult. I've found in my life, I'm always surprised when it's eight o'clock at night. I'm like, I forgot to meditate. How yeah. Long? I like forgot. Like <laughs> I get being busy, but I never get like forgetting, you know? Um, yeah. So I think the afternoon meditation is a little bit harder. And I, again, that's the most important two minute meditation. I really, really urge people, especially for people that are starting to set up the morning, just take two minutes in the afternoon and try to get it around something that's going on in your life rather than saying, I typically meditate in the afternoon about four o'clock in the afternoon. But if something's going on at four o'clock and that passes for someone that doesn't have their meditation practice really established, that's going to go by and it's not going to come back until the next day. So if there's something that happens where, you know, just before you, you walk in the door or just after you wrap up, a work day, um, just, you know, maybe it's just before dinner, maybe it's sitting down to the table and, you know, closing your eyes just before you eat or just taking two minutes. If there's something you, you can attach to a certain time of the day that this is my two minutes, maybe it's getting into the car 
and saying, you know, I'm going to sit here before I start the car for two minutes or before I get out. So um, that two minutes is really important to me. And then again, I think when we set the habit every day, then it becomes easier to allow that time to grow. If we let that go, then it's kind of harder to come back to. The other thing about the afternoon meditation that I really try to urge people in sticking with that meditation is, again, all comes back to the benefits, is there's a lot of stress in our day. We talked about that fight or flight. Yeah. And that's stored up in your body all day. So that two minutes is releasing the stress. You know, that maybe when you just guide waking up in the morning for your meditation and in that 20 minutes that you already kind of feel, you know, that, that stuff coming up, those thoughts and, you know, anything of the day that's already coming up, you know, that stress released at the end of the day can, is going to take you into the next morning. And the biggest, biggest, biggest thing is it's cumulative. So the afternoon meditation is not kind of the same as the morning meditation. It is absolutely cumulative. So, um, I know that the afternoon meditation is one of the harder ones to create the habit, but that those are some of the encouragement that I give. So yeah. if someone's meditating twice a day, four minutes a day, like I'm thrilled. Like my work has been yeah. <laughs> done in the world. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> and and I want to just pick up on that cumulative point that you're making because that it's a huge point. It's a whole nother conversation, but right? I just, yeah. And I, I want to just underscore that for everyone there's no doubt in in my experience it's like when so we we had a baby two years ago and one of the things they would always say you know sleep begets sleep and so you know we'd always try and get our baby to sleep more and more and more and the more she slept the more she slept or the and the more she wanted to sleep and that was and that's still the case for her as a toddler it's the same with meditation it's absolutely my experience that the more I meditate, the more I want to meditate. Mm. The more I want to meditate, the more I meditate. And the benefits, as you were alluding to, they compound. You know, there's there's just no question. The more I meditate, the more that sort of, that light or that radiance from the ground of being just, you know, it just starts to, to filter into my day in all sorts of ways that are, you know, as you said, subtle sometimes, but also sometimes not so subtle. Sometimes really providing a buoyancy through the day that's you know it's priceless. Mm-hmm. I love and the I, passion in your voice. You're like I am. I'm like it's, it's just like it's so expansive. It's so great. It like kind of emanates from yeah. you. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. That might be the coffee too, but <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely Coffee's good too. Yeah. Yeah, there's a real passion for that. I am I am passionate about it and yeah, clearly. Yeah, I can and, feel that. I just love it. You know, I love the people that it, you know, when you say like what are the benefits of meditation? And we I think we can all say what it's done in our life. And it's kind of like that C chord that you said. As soon as you said C chord, I could I could feel that vibration and I think that yeah. when you start talking about you know, wanting to meditate and like the more you meditate, the more you want to meditate and the more you meditate, the more benefits come in life. You're like, like I, I just kind of want to get on that train. So thanks for sharing that. That's very, absolutely beautiful. Sure. We're definitely. Yeah. We're on this meditation spirits. train together. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Well, Julie, this is awesome. Where can, where can people learn more about your work? Where can they, if they, if folks want to follow up 
this show and get in touch with you or if they want to learn more about your work. And we'll, we'll hook it up in the show notes, but can you share a little bit about how people can be in touch? Yes, um, I would love to, I'd love to hear from people. I love to answer questions and really hear of service. Um, I, I really am just here of service. So please stop by a littlemeditation.com and say hi, introduce yourself. Um, let me know that you are here with Morgan and I and uh, anything I can do. I do have um, a very basic free e-course. Um, it's just a really nice, succinct kind of 20-minute intro to meditation um, called Spontaneous Meditation, and they can find that there and access that. Um, and just, you know, some just some light information on, you know, really just to, it, about a little meditation is really to inspire someone that I really want to meditate. And then um, I host free meditations at the Chopra Center in Carlsbad in San Diego. So please join me there. I host on Thursday mornings at 7.45 a.m. I would love to meet you. And then I'm doing workshops both on the East Coast here in Philadelphia and San Diego uh, and then traveling around a bit. So, yeah, so there's lots of different ways to find me. And you can always email me at julie at com if you don't find your way to the website. Awesome. All right, everybody. So I will hook up a littlemeditation.com in the show notes for this episode. I really encourage you, if you if you liked what you heard today, head over to a littlemeditation.com and sign up for Julie's free introductory spontaneous meditation course. It sounds really good. And um, yeah, fantastic. Julie, thank you. I'm so glad we did this. Oh, Morgan, thank you so much. It's- so fun. Thank you for allowing me to be here and share. Awesome. All right, everybody, stay tuned and we'll have another episode coming your way soon. Bye, everybody. Thank you. So I hope you enjoyed my interview with Julie Hunt today. I encourage you to check out her website at alittlemeditation.com. You can go on over there today and check out the work that Julie's doing. And you can, if you're turned on by her work, you can even start working with her directly online. I really encourage you to check that out. If you like our show, if you love our show, if you're a regular listener, can you please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? I can't tell you what a big impact that has in terms of introducing our show to more meditators. It has a huge impact. Every rating and every review has an outsized impact in our exposure to new meditators. So thank you. If you love the show, show your love. Leave us a rating and a review. And also, quickly, I should mention that the One Mind Meditation Podcast is part of the Podcastica Podcast Network. So Go over and check that out over at podcastica.com. It's a cool podcast network, has lots of really interesting shows which you can check out. Head on over to podcastica.com. And like usual, we're going to end with a quote. This one from the Rigpa Glimpse of the Day goes like this. Anyone looking honestly at life we'll see that we live in a constant state of suspense and ambiguity. Our minds are perpetually shifting in and out of confusion and clarity. 
If we could be confused all the time, that would at least make for some kind of clarity. What is really baffling about life is that sometimes, despite all of our confusion, we can also be really wise. This constant uncertainty may make everything seem bleak and almost hopeless, but if you look more deeply at it, you'll see that its very nature creates gaps, spaces in which profound chances and opportunities for transformation are continuously flowering. If, that is, they can be seen and seized.